On the last episode of Brown Coffee, Black Tea, we continued our conversation with our friends Shock and Travis on the five love languages. If you tuned in, you heard that some of us love these quizzes and one of us just couldn't see the light until the end. Want to take the quiz? No problem. Find the details on episode four, Talk To Me Nice. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Brown Coffee, Black Tea. This is your girl, Sabria, checking in. And it's your girl, Ty. And we're super, super excited today because we are highlighting Black motherhood this week in honor of Mother's Day. And we're super excited because we have two very, very special guests. Um, So (laughs) we decided to reach back um, to our peeps from college and people who have been very influential in our lives and who are two very, very excellent mothers. Um, One of those being our former graduate advisor, um, Dr. Suzanne Matthews. And our line sister. (laughs) (laughs) And that's my back, y'all. In case you didn't know. Hey, baby. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we have uh, Suzanne, Dr. Suzanne Matthews and KP um, on the podcast today. How y'all doing? Hey, y'all. Hello. (laughs) Hey, y'all. How you doing? We're good. We're good. (laughs) Good, good. Um, has it been crazy? I know, you know, both of y'all are in Alabama. Has it been crazy with everything that's going on right now? It's been crazy, but I've really honestly been enjoying it. And it's kind of, I've been developing in the motherhood space even more in a different light by being cooped up in the house. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just embracing it all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, I still have to go to work. So <laughs> <laughs> I did. so that's been pretty easy with my um my offspring not being in the house it's the checking in every day type of aspect just making sure they're okay in the space they're in so that's Mm -hmm. it's been a little different that way because i can't lay eyes on them oh yeah true true well could you guys go ahead and just give us a little bit about who you are Tell us where you're from, what you do, any any passion projects, any side hustles that you're currently working on. Well, I am an educator, so I teach middle school, the young teenagers. Um, I teach history, which I absolutely love um, in Montgomery. So I'm from Sweet Home, Alabama. <laughs> I honestly have like a lot of goals. I feel like I'm trying to live like five lives in one (laughs) so I'm trying my best to really hone in my skills but outside of teaching I'm a growing YouTuber I love fashion and finance and just really educating people on how to spend their coins save and invest their coins wisely and I'm honestly a side hustle junkie I will do anything legal <laughs> to get money so, <laughs> I, I dibble and dabble in a little bit of everything so yeah mm-hmm. that's a little bit about me okay well um as the name implies i am a physician um <laughs> that's probably um that's what i spend the majority of my time doing but in that i do have the opportunity to teach so i have been working for years with uh, nurse practitioner students whether they're getting their master's or their doctorate. And I've actually had some of your line sisters, those before you and those after you, to come to my practice. I have done PA students. 
And I have also had the opportunity to um, work with medical students from the University of Alabama School of Medicine, which is at UAB where you all are, you all are graduates. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I also, I, I enjoy creating things as y'all know. Oh, I we know. Stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> and, Maybe. And, <laughs> I get to explore that a lot through my organization. Um, in Alpha Kappa Alpha, I am on a committee. I'm not in charge of that. I do like uh, leadership development, which I know I like training people. And it's, that's one of the reasons I was a graduate advisor. So in our chapter, I'm over leadership development, but also on mm -hmm. another committee where we get to come up with the decorations or help flesh out the themes of all the events that our chapter has. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with the links incorporated, I'm fortunate to be a, the national co-chair for the uh, rituals foundation. I mean, rituals committee. And in that we do put on rituals. So I use my creativity with some of that. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of what I do. I'm, I just like, I think I just like working with people and helping yeah. them be the best that they can be. And um, I get real joy when people succeed, whether, you know, people know I had anything to do with it or not. That's not the point. The point is mm -hmm. that people become their best selves, whatever that might be. Right. Well, I definitely I think I would say, like, <laughs> for the both of y'all, y'all are pretty much people, uh, people, people. Um, yes. You know, speaking to Sora Suzanne, Sora Suzanne has had our back since the beginning of time, since we met. And then <laughs> KP, uh, I know you mentioned your YouTube videos and I must say that I definitely tuned in um, to the ones about the stimulus check because I was so confused. And then I saw you did another mm -hmm. and I was like, yes, thank you. I needed this. I need to understand more about this. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are so great. like a shero. Because KP, you know, when I met her, you know, we didn't, I didn't know she had all that going on. You know, it's just what was going on in her life at that time. She had to deal with some stuff. And you talking about resilience. My goodness, this young lady, you know, whatever happened, she just dealt with it. I mean, from driving an hour back and forth. Yeah. To having to spend a night, leave her child at home. Man, KP. Uh, make you feel like it I mean whether you know if you had nothing to do it or not she make you feel like you did yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad y'all can't see me cry oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> look I'm claiming success on her whether I had anything to do with that or not okay <laughs> right <laughs> Well, we are so glad to have you both. Thank you for giving us some background about who you are. I know um, Ty and I were talking before the episode and just saying like, Source Suzanne, you definitely saved us a million times in college. Um, and KP, of course, we're so thankful to have you as a sister. Um, and it's just really fun to just see us all, you know, grow up, grow into these young adults, these young black women just navigating life. Um, and so we really thought today would be special to just talk about Black motherhood um, and whatever that really looks like to you. I know, you know, Black motherhood doesn't necessarily mean that you are the biological mother of the child that you're taking care of, but we have different mother figures, whether it's auntie, a friend, cousin. Um, so we really just wanted to take some time to highlight that today. And I guess we'll start off just getting into a little bit about y'all's experiences as mothers. Um, so I'm curious to know, and Ty and I were talking before, um, you know, what was it like when you first became a mother and when did you first become a mother? 
Well, I became a mom in 2011. Um, and this experience was really unenjoyable for me. And I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. I, mm-hmm. I didn't celebrate it because I was so young. I found out when I was 17 and, um, became 18 during my pregnancy. And I just felt judged and ashamed and just depressed, honestly. During this time, too, I was also in a in a car crash that put me in a wheelchair. So I was dealing with that as well as my pregnancy at the same time. And also not knowing if my daughter was going to survive my pregnancy. So taking all mm-hmm. of this on at such a young age, I was really in a mental battle um Mm -hmm. so my my pregnancy wasn't the typical celebrations and enjoyment I was just kind of going through it trying to hide it from as many people as I could but Mm -hmm. I made it through so that was that was my testimony and I'm definitely not in that space now but in the beginning I definitely was not in a happy joyous place Mm -hmm. and I'm curious before you share Sir Suzanne KP what did you do or what what tools did you use or how did you sort of work out of being in that dark and uncomfortable um space to get to where you are now because I know we talked a lot about mental health and just like focusing on um, that and that being an important part of our overall health. So I'm curious in that regard. Yeah, it was a spiritual journey for me. Um, really just taking time to understand that everybody is not for you and just, you know, realizing that reality. I separated myself from some people that were not supportive that looked to me as if I messed up my life. Um, instead of embracing where I was and being able to move forward. So I separated myself from people. I was in my Bible a lot and I connected with people that love me in spite of decisions that I made. And all of that allowed me to reach the point I, I'm at today. Wow. Thank wow. you for sharing, KP. Thank you. That was, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so Suzanne, what was it like for you when you first became a mom? Okay. Mine was kind of, it's kind of, I guess, almost bipolar <laughs> because I was married. So, you know, I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to have kids and I wanted, I mean, I actually even had my child's name. I knew what my child's name was going to be when it was going to happen. But I said I was going to be married three years because I went into residency, internship. And so with my first one, I was not even trying to get pregnant. It was really, I was working hard. Um, and the next thing I knew, I went home for Christmas holidays. And I'm, well, it was really New Year's because I tend to work Christmas. And I was just really emotional. Like, what is wrong with me? You know, I'm not, y'all know me. I'm kind of tough. So yeah. stuff kept hurting my feelings. And I'm like, why in the world am I getting my feelings hurt? And I said something about the plane flight. My mom says, well, you act like you're trying to get a, a cousin for your nephew. I'm like, mom, please. Everybody's oh. like, you know. <laughs> and it was so funny that um, I went, well, I worked with this young guy. I was over him. He was a medical student. We Every night we worked in an acute care clinic. 
we would go get chicken drumettes. And I love chicken. I mean, like I said, I crave chicken like I wanted whatever. It was like Kentucky Fried Chicken and Coleslaw. You know what I'm saying? Miss Winners <laughs> and with her leaves and baked beans. I crave the chicken with what went with it, you know. So that's how I love fried chicken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had got sick a couple times eating chicken, but think about it. And one day the guy said, well, let's go get our chicken. And I said, no, I don't feel like any today. And he looked at me. He said, you don't want any fried chicken. You need a crazy <laughs> test. <laughs> so... needless to say i finally went ahead and did a pregnancy test simply because i was just very you know not very late just a little late and my breasts were sore and it was so funny it was a take-home test and i remember it says uh like wait so many seconds after you pour the Mm -hmm. urine on the test but as i was pouring the urine on the test the positive sign was rising (laughs) up out of it it was like oh my god wow and i wasn't that far along i was uh-huh. A few weeks. Um, but I, I guess when I was pregnant, I was just <laughs> pregnant. And I was just worried because I was an intern, so I knew I wasn't getting the sleep I needed to get. I wasn't eating like I needed to eat because I literally had trouble gaining weight during my whole pregnancy. I didn't get sick. My husband said mm-hmm. I wouldn't mean. He said I was just tired all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I had to worry about, you know, what was going on with my baby. And um, I, they said, if you gain 25 pounds, we'll be glad. So, you know, I go in, I gain three pounds, go back the next week, I lost two, you know, that type of stuff. But the uh, the doctor was very patient and they let us go to the high risk doctors at that point. Um, and he said, it's your lifestyle. So I had several ultrasounds and she seemed to be okay. You know, I didn't know it was a she because she would never, she loved to get up under my liver. That was her favorite position. But, you know, that she was fine. But that was the thing I always worried about is my baby going to be okay. You know, the nurses would have to tell me stuff like, um, when I had to do ICU because I went into my second year while I was pregnant. Okay, you can't come into the unit now, stay in the car room, they're in here doing mm-hmm. you know, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. If people had, if children had certain diseases, I had to make sure that I knew if they had them because if I did right. a pregnant woman, I couldn't go in the room. Okay, that type of stuff. And I actually had to go in the room one time on a cold because I was the one on the floor at the time. But the nurses politely put me out as soon as somebody, another physician walked in the room, they put me out the room. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it was that kind of stuff, being tired, um, just mm-hmm. worrying if my baby was going to be okay. And she mm-hmm. was two weeks overdue. Mm-hmm. So, but she was well received when she got there because by the time I, she was born, I had done some newborn center, which is a, like the NICU. So we had worked with the OBGYN residents and all that stuff. So she was born. I think every pediatric resident, probably every OBGYN resident had come to see her. I, I love the fact that both of y'all were so candid about like what was happening during your pregnancy, um, a little bit about what happened. And I can only imagine that as a mother, you know, you have all these dreams and these hopes um, for your kids. Um, so once you finally had your child, your child started to come into their personalities. Um, what were they like? Were they anything like? you thought they would be, um, were their personalities like you, like yours? Um, did they exceed expectations? You know, like, tell us what that was like, like understanding your, your child, your child's personality. Well, Lauren is (laughs) so full of energy. I cannot even put it into words. Um, before she was born, I was trying to figure out, you know, what is she going to look like? How is she going to act? What is she going to like and dislike? And I mean, all of that went out the window once I met her and I was able to interact with her because now as an eight-year-old, she is the sassiest thing 
walking. <laughs> I, <laughs> they're like I can't compare it to anything. And being the mom of a little sassy eight year old is just pray for me, y'all. But she is so silly. <laughs> she is so silly and I mean, she's just a lot of fun. She has helped me to be a little more carefree. And that's what I love about children. That childlike nature that she carries mm -hmm. um, has really helped me a lot. So she's just full of life and she's just a blessing. But her personality, I think she is me once I get to know someone more intimately. And I wish I was a little wow. more like her from the jump. Um, but yeah, she's she's me. But I like love the fact that you say that like wow. <laughs> that she like inspires you <laughs> to like be a better person and like you wish that you were like her. I yes. think it's so I mean, for lack of better words, dope. <laughs> yeah. Well, you ladies know, so this may get emotional, real emotional for me, that um I've experienced motherhood from two totally different platforms that I experienced from the birth of children, and then I've mm -hmm. also experienced from the inheritance of children. Mm -hmm. so I'll start first with my birth kids because they were there first I did have both of them before <laughs> I inherited two so with my first child she was not the one who wanted to be held to go to sleep you lay her down she goes to sleep you know she was that child she um she always had her own mind and she um very creative just would come up with stuff you know she was a kid that would play in the box and make it something that type of thing but she was born a daddy's girl, and part of that was because I wasn't there. And, you know, that used to hurt my feelings a little bit because I was at work. And she would mm -hmm. cry for her daddy, you know, she'd mm -hmm. cry for her daddy. And he was great. I mean, they would come home, and I'd be exhausted. He'd take her to the park, you know, that kind of stuff, um, so I could rest. You know, they were tight. And they're very much the same person now. They actually, their birthdays are one day apart. One is one day, and one is the next. And, um, but, she loved on me, you know. Is that mommy? I love mommy, you know. Hey, mommy, you know. But she was a daddy's girl. I guess technically she still is, mm -hmm. but she was a daddy's girl for a long time. I want my daddy. I want my daddy. Um, but she would love to hang with me, and there was never a problem with that. So it's not mm -hmm. a jealousy. It just kind of hurt my feelings sometimes that she would call for him and not for me. And, and she has grown. She is one of the strongest people I know. She's one of those people that my sister-in-law calls mm -hmm. her free spirit. She takes ownership of whatever happens. She deals with it. You know what I'm saying? She's never been afraid to try. You know, that's just not that's not her. You know, she's just she's gonna try. And she eventually she comes up on top, you know, because you know, one person told me that, you know, she's gonna be fine because when God's time, because she's a she is, she's a great person, she's a creative person, she's a fearless person. And um she does what she has to do. And I'll always give her credit for that. She makes me very proud. Um she's hard on herself but she makes me very proud <laughs> the baby and they're six years apart so basically I have two only children she is more of I don't know <laughs> she is a character I guess more of the character she you know she's the born she's the one that was born and when her picture she had <laughs> her hand propped up on her face she was posing from birth um, <laughs> Now that one, now she has a different mm -hmm. type of strength because she's she gonna come straight at you, you know. She don't pull many punches at all, you know. She kind of, well, Morgan, the oldest one can kind of Morgan and Melissa are their names. Morgan is the oldest one. She sometimes that she cuts you with her tongue too, 
So she may put just a little more finesse on it, but the baby, <laughs> she's not cut, you know, she's not cut flat, you know. <laughs> and uh, the baby, Melissa, yeah, she kind of, she kind of, you know, she goes to she wants, she lets you know what she wants, she intends to get it, and she, you know, you better get out the way. Um, so her tenacity is totally different. But what they both are, and I've learned, I'm so proud of them. They're both very um, self-motivated. Um, they're more alike than they know because some of these, you know, kind of intertwine within them. You know, they kind of intertwine with the same person but different. Because Patrick and I are very independent people. Yes. But we like to have a lot of fun. They got all that. <laughs> and they got that from their parents and their grandparents because we got it from my parents. Um, they're very goal-oriented. You know, they'll make up decisions. This is what they want to do. This is kind of what they do. Because where parents would talk about, oh, I got to make sure my child go ahead and register the ACT. Right. I need to make sure my child pushing their, you know, college applications. <laughs> Both of mine were like, mom, we need a debit card. We got to pay for this. <laughs> you know, it was already done. <laughs> <laughs> so they're both like that. I mean, they both went mm -hmm. to college. They both went to HBCUs. They chose them on their own. I was proud of that. Uh, Morgan went to Hampton and Melissa went to Spelman. Mm -hmm. And then they both, when I looked up, they both gone to graduate school. They both got their master's. You know, they always mm -hmm. plan to do stuff. And they'll tell me, like the oldest one, she's already typing that, you know, especially now with these free schools right. they have going on. She's like, well, I'm going to take classes. You know, that's, you know, my type of thing. And my baby, you know, she's always trying to figure out a way to work things out. I mean, they, you know, you always worry about your children. Mm. But I know, I mean, I prayed about, you know, I told God a long time ago, let me know when I need to worry. Mm-hmm. And I don't worry. My feelings get hurt when their feelings get hurt. You know, I get mad at people when I feel like people have done them the injustice. But I sometimes also had to learn to get out of the way and let them handle it because I wouldn't be there for mm -hmm. them all the time. So I, it was more important <laughs> for me, although sometimes I want to go slap somebody and their mama, not to do that because my kids <laughs> need to know how to handle their situation because I won't be there. Because that's how my mom raised me. You know, you need to be able, I need to know you're going to be okay if I'm not there. And they have both just amazed me. Um, I'm proud of them. We have our disagreements, but we don't just, you know, like I say, fall out. You know, we don't go days without speaking because we mad. If we go days without speaking, it's because we, you know, got busy and we made texts or that type of thing. You see what I'm saying? They're not like that with me. And I do appreciate that. I think we have a good relationship because I always wanted to say I would not give anybody else's child more than I give mine. Mm, because mm -hmm. as a pediatrician I listen to other people's kids so I gotta mm -hmm. listen to mine so we don't always have to agree but I want you to be able to feel like you can say what you're saying a prime example and I use this in the office with the kids sometimes and I remember my oldest one she was I could tell she was mad at me you know because she was just you know acting you know flip and I said what's wrong she said no I don't want to say it and I said look I asked you a question so I got to be prepared for the answer right mm. And she goes, you know, sometimes I just don't like you. So I was like, oh, is that all? <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, I don't like you either, but I love you all the time. And mm -hmm. that was wonderful for our relationship. It's wonderful for everybody because people need, like I tell you, it's only somebody you love can make you that man. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you expect certain things from them or whatever, so, or you want something from them. And it's hard as a parent, you want them to do what you but, you want them to do, but then you got to remember it's their life. You know, you mm -hmm. got to 
you know, you've got to let them live their life because they got to deal with whatever good or bad comes out of it. You don't, not for real. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay. I had to, you know, you have to learn it's okay not to agree. It's okay, to, but it's not okay not to listen. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, as children learn to talk, like your sassy eight-year-old KP, she may come at you wrong. But if you sit there long enough, she get to the right part. She just don't know how to start the conversation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you, mm -hmm. you want to be mad, but by the time they get through talking, you say, okay, all right. And I've had to do that in the office, tell the parents, they want to say something, I just stop them. Don't let them finish. Because they don't mm -hmm. have the same communication skills you have. So after a while, it gets to the point. So people are listening to each other instead of hollering at each other. And right. it's okay not to have anything to say. <laughs> you know? Right. If you agree with them, you can say, I agree. You ain't got to go on all these embellishments or whatever. It's okay. I mean, what else do you need to say? I agree with you. You're right. Right. You know, that's validation enough. And then the second set of kids I have, um, my sister-in-law, my husband, the younger sister died. So I got them. I think they were nine and 16. So that's totally different now, you know, because I'm a mom for you, but I'm not trying to replace your mom because it's not like you didn't know who your mom was, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to, in some ways, be careful with that relationship, with that dynamic, because I love you and I love them fiercely and they know it. I'll do for you what I do for mine. And I did. Um, but I also have to remember that I would never be able to replace that person that you know, and I'm not trying to. Okay. And as a relative, you'll always be in my life. And, you know, I'm proud of them. They've gone. And the quietest one is the little old, is a little brainstorm. That's the one y'all know personally. She's a little old firecracker. <laughs> she surprised me. She did very mm -hmm. much. I'm very proud of her. And she had, you know, she was quiet. And, you know, she, she's a quiet storm. And she does things. Mm -hmm. the other, my other one is, you know, I'm, I'm proud of her too because she's doing well. She, you know, she handled whatever situation she has and she's doing what she got to do with it. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember that it's not your life, it's their life. And you hope you wish the best for them and let them be happy. You put your guidance in. But mm -hmm. God got, if you feel like God got them, you got to let them have them. Yeah. And that's where the hard part comes in. Because if you ever want to touch up something, you mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> so thank y'all both for that because, um, I think it's always good. I, I I know I don't talk to my mom enough about her experience with me, but I think it is always good and interesting to hear about the relationships between mothers and daughters and just, you know, how you sort of give and take and push and pull and allow them to become, or mothers and children, um, how you allow them to become their own individuals. Um, and so I'm also just, you know, as we're thinking about you both being Black women how motherhood has shaped the way you view yourself as a woman and also, um, you know, how you balance being your own woman and also set an, an example for your children. Well, for me, um, like I said, I became a mother very young and it was really motherhood is, was a catalyst for me for maturity. And I think all all women go through a point of um, maturing throughout their lives. But I think becoming a mom just made that process faster. And it was honestly just a bunch of challenges that kind of helped me to build my own confidence. 
that I had to experience in motherhood. And I do want to say that birthing a child alone did did not push me to be a great mom. It was making the choice to be a good mom that pushed me towards that that place of confidence and knowing myself. So being a single mom, I think really puts another spin on that question because, you know, in the typical home quotations around that in a typical home, you'll have the mom and the dad that kind of divvy up these roles where I have to kind of do that internally. So instead of me just being just an emotional provider, just a financial provider, I have to combine those two or figuring out if I want to be the disciplinarian or if I want to be the one that lets you get away with everything, I have to be both. So um, it's difficult as a single mom, but I have found that having a support system that kind of advises you of how to do that. People that have been a mom before, you need to, you know, reach towards them and get advice on how to do it because I can't do it in and of its of myself. Um, balance is something I'm still working to reach. And I think as I continue to go through, I'm getting to a point where I can do that. But you have to know, and I personally mm. feel it's not, what can I do for Lauren or what can I do for me? Is what can I do for us? Um, the same mm-hmm. way that people work within a marriage, I think that's how I am with my daughter. And some may disagree, but I don't say how can this just benefit Lauren or how can this just benefit KP? I say how can mm-hmm. this benefit us as a family unit? So when I make decisions, wow. I take that approach instead of just saying, hey, this will work for her because then she'll grow up thinking that the world revolves around her and it doesn't. And I can't be mm. so selfish that I say, how is this going to be best for me? So it doesn't matter if it's dating a person or taking a job or signing her up for a program. How is this going to yeah. work well for us? Is this person going to be respectful towards both of us? Is this job is, yes, yeah, going to pay me a lot, but is it going to take my time away from you? Is this program yeah. going to work with my schedule too? So you have to look at it as a family unit. So that's where I'm finding balance. I'm getting better at it. I'm still learning. So, but -hmm. it's essential. And I will say really quickly that I think black moms have had trouble with doing that. And it's caused um, some disruptions in our families um, as a whole, because they focus so much on their children and they empty their cups and they become depleted. Mm -hmm. And I think Shut I have. <laughs> I think I'm sorry. I that's learned. a word, KP. <laughs> mm. I think I am growing to learn that I need to fill my cup up too. And if I'm simultaneously filling up my cup and your cup, then we'll always be overflowing. <laughs> so that has been my goal <laughs> as a mom. KP, can I amen that? And I just want to say for a lot of people who do so much for their kids, like they say, and they don't teach them how to live. They're doing everything for them. Mm. And so when something happens, you know, later on, we've had a lot of parents say, the worst thing I ever did was get my child out of that. You know, I did too much for them because they don't know how to do this. Or, you know, they, you know, you get mad at them with entitlement syndrome, but you did it to them. You never made them, you know, you never made the threat that you take stuff back or you, you got to earn it or 
I'm giving you this because. So, oh my God, see that right there? That would help mm-hmm. a lot of us. And it's, you know, because it's our, like you say, our cup. We got to do this together. I'm really just speechless over here because KP, that was, that was really a word. And I had to take some notes as you were talking because you mentioned two things besides filling up your own cup that really stood out to me. You said that you made a choice to be a good mom and it didn't just kind of happen or the experiences that you had didn't necessarily push you to do that, which I think is huge. Just understanding that we have choices in everything that we do. Um, and also you mentioned a lot about, you know, thinking about you and Lauren and just this family unit and the word that just kept coming up in my mind is just like this idea of selflessness. For sure, Sabria. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head when you say that motherhood is a choice. Um, and from watching a lot of the moms that I know, um, I've definitely seen them make these selfless choices and practice selflessness, um, throughout the entire time that they've been mothers. And I also think that this requires a lot of balance, right? Um, so sort of Suzanne, you know, as your kids are no longer in the home, how did you find the balance to be your own woman? And even still, you know, you're still having to set an example for them. How has that been for you? May I first comment on the last thing she said too about the choice? Mm-hmm. That is a very, I mean, no matter how your child comes, when you're planning to it, it surprises you, whatever, you still have to choose to be a good mom. You have to choose and want to be a mom. And if you don't choose right. that, that's okay. And a lot of people need to understand that, you know, because I have friends who don't have children and they didn't want them. And that, and one of the things that they say, people always ask you why you didn't have kids. So, so if I'd had one and mistreated them, would that have been okay? Mm-hmm. But I think that's a very honest thing to admit that like, it wasn't just me having a child that made me a mother. I actually had to choose to want to be a certain type of mother and a certain type of example for my daughter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, what my daughters have done for me is, for one, you know, you kind of look at them and go, wow, I did that. You know what I mean? Um, you see this little person and they come in your life and they take over like they've always been there. I mean, you almost can't realize, you can't hardly remember what your life like was before, before they were born. So then you make a decision, you know, what do I want to do for my children? I want to be a good example for my children because I want them to have the best. So I got to show them how to, you know, that it's okay to do this. It's okay to be strong. It's okay to be married. It's okay to be working. You know, you just got to be with the right people. Um, my husband and I are very compatible, um, which helps them a lot. And they're a lot like him and a lot like me. You know, you can see your traits whenever, you know, the thing that they do that makes you the maddest is usually you. So, um, but it was important for me to <laughs> not only do things for them and with them because we did a lot we have a lot of fun together is also put myself put them in positions to do things that can help them like even joining the sorority when you think about it you know I made it a point to be active so that I could make sure they could be active you know um Mm -hmm. you know with another organization like the Lynx Incorporated that's African-American women doing great things serving humanity on a powerful level you know I want that for them I want them to have that option if they want it I don't want to force it on them Right. But I wanted to give them something to have an option for that I admired. And if nothing else, they could admire the people that were in the organization that they knew to understand the type of woman I want them to be. And um, and then feeling that they had the attributes to be in it anyway, because I feel both of them would do very well because they both grew up on community service. You know, growing up in Jack and Jill, you know, they learned, you know, 
you can do this with others. And you can do it by yourself too. Um, but you can also sometimes make a bigger impact when you got somebody to help you. And it's okay to have somebody to help you, you know, because it's a lot to do by yourself, but you can spread the work out. And then I can introduce you to other people that can help you and, you know, help you do what you need to do in the future. So now as I look back on it, I hope that's what I gave them. You know, um, they know I love them. They know we love them. Um, but as a woman, it made me think about what is as important for women to have. Um, what did your mama give you that helped you? My mom gave me choices, you know? And um, although sometimes you feel like you don't know what the choice was, she did give me choices. Um, even off going off to college, you know, I could go anywhere I wanted to go. And the place I didn't want to go initially, I know she found out later she didn't want me to go there, but she wasn't going to stop me. Because uh, it was a good school. It was just so far away. So what I hope I gave have given my daughters is what my mom gave me was a sense of self. Um, knowing that no matter what you do, if necessary, you can come to me with it. We can talk about it. We can get through it together. Because um, we are family. And that, um, you know, I can be I can be mad at you, but I never hate you. And I don't get mad at them often, you know, because people will disappoint you. They're supposed to. You know what I mean? If they don't do stuff on their own, that means they're not, you didn't do something right. Because it's my job to take to create somebody who could take care of themselves. And so we should disagree. If you're your own person, that should come up. So for me, looking at them now. I'm very proud of the fact that they've done all that they've done. And, you know, I wouldn't change it. And they wouldn't change it. I think both of them know that they're strong women because of their experiences. And the biggest thing that I think my biggest accomplishment is, and you can imagine for those of you who have siblings, is although they had their sibling rivalries and all that kind of stuff, they grew up to be sisters. And that's the biggest accomplishment, I think, you know, you know, the, the sense of family that we, we're not the same person, but we love each other and we got each other's back. I mean, I think that's my greatest accomplishment as a parent. Um, I'm like over here trying to take it all in. But I think some common themes that I've like heard from the both of you is that you not only give your child a sense of self and a sense of choice, but like you also trust your child to be the child that you raise without imposing any other of your expectations of them because we're people right um like you said we're going to disappoint people but i also think a lot of times we have expectations for them um that being said what is one difficult lesson you've learned throughout your journey of being a mother one difficult lesson for me um just in general as a mom it's like living your life with a mirror in front of you at all times because you are always self-reflecting or your child is reflecting you back at you all the time. So you're very much aware if you choose to be aware. And I think I've had the opportunity to um, self-reflect a lot and have Lauren put me on blast whenever need be. But um, saying no is what I have really learned to do before. I mean, of course, I was a teenager, but before I went through this process of maturing as a mom, I was a bit of a pushover. I kind of allowed people to do what they wanted, and I just kind of went with the flow. 
And that was something I didn't love about myself, but I had to learn. I have to say no, because I am taking care of my most prized possession, which is my child. So I have to protect her at all costs. Learning to say no was just essential, essential for me. So if that was like, for example, I had a person to come around myself and my child with a substance that shouldn't have been around us. And in that moment, mm-hmm. I have to, I had to stand up and say, you know, you can't come around with that. And just honestly, because you're going to continue that, we're just going to have to cut ties. And that's what mm-hmm. I did. I said no out of protecting my child. And also saying no to my child. She, of course, if she sees food options, she's going to go for the pizza and the chips and the French fries. And I have to say, no, you're going to get the broccoli, the bananas and the apple. So I had to learn how to (laughs) say no to her, no matter how cute and sweet and beautiful her smile was and how she, you know, hey, mommy, you know, I just can't give into that. And I have to tell other people no as as protection for us as a family unit. <laughs> so I have learned to put my foot down and now it goes down really easily because I just have to be very aware of the dangers, whether it's physical danger and harm or it could impact her mind. I do not want to expose my child to anything that she has to recover from in her adulthood. And that's how I try to live in this moment, nothing that I expose her to or bring her around is going to be something that she will have to um, try to unlearn as an adult and try to not remember as she grows older. I want her experiences to be ones that are enjoyable um, that she would enjoy thinking back on and nothing that she's going to have to forget. So, And that is true. A lot of people know it's a very hard word, but sometimes it's the most love. No can be the biggest love word. Love, like y'all talked about love language. No is sometimes the best love language in the world. Um, the hardest thing for me, um, or the lesson I greatest learned is that you can't protect your children from everything. You can try, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. life. But you can't be there with them to get through it. And you hurt with them. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you have to be the person because in certain situations, you know how it turns out. You know what I mean? You know, you will survive. You know, they'll be okay. But you got to get them there because you remember when you were there, how you felt about it. And sometimes to help them through it, you got to, you know, do that shut up and listen moment. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But you have to wait till they get what they need out so they'd be willing to listen. Because that's the hard right. part for the parent. When the hush and let them say what they got to say. And then when you got to step in and say, but look, this is what we got to do, you know? And um, I said, I'm very fortunate because we do have that relationship with them. And, um, you know, nobody wants, you know, you don't want, you know, I'd rather myself in any type of pain before they ever are. That's not life. And, um, but the fact that I know that they will contact me when they are in that pain, whatever that is. I mean, it could be anger, you know, whatever they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Just like they'll call you when it's good news. They'll call you when they need you to just listen to them or just help them think stuff through. Cause you know, like I said, mine are kind of planners. And sometimes by the end of the conversation, they've already figured it out. I just, they just needed somebody to talk to that they could trust. 
And, um, but that's the hard part, you know, you know, when stuff that happens to them that you don't feel they deserve, but, you know, you got to get them through it. And then on the other side, when they get through it, and you know what they say, God don't make mistakes and how God tests you, you know, you have to push you through the fire. And in your mind, you know, however this comes out, they're going to be better for it. But it still don't make it feel any better. that They got to go through it, you know. So. Right. Thank you all so much for those lessons. Um, you really, really brought up a lot of good points. And, you know, I, I really just love that we're able to have this conversation and hear about your experiences and your various stories. Um and so I, I want to take some time or take a moment and just have you guys give each other some advice that you've learned. So KP imparting some advice on Sor Suzanne and vice versa. Um, cause I think it's important to understand as women that like we all have something to add. We all have an experience or a situation, t- um, that we've been in in which we've learned some wisdom or some valuable lessons and we, you know, all have something to contribute. So I don't know who wants to go first, but (laughs) if you have any lessons or advice to give each other, please share. Well, KP, I guess since I'm on the other side of this and you're going through it, I want to tell you to keep your priorities like you have. You know, it's hard sometimes. You know, what they always say, and it, it really works. If you put it in the right priority, you know, put God first. And then in order, have the relationship. If you have the husband, the husband next, and the child, the child next, and everybody else after that, family. It does work out, and it does make sense. And it's hard sometimes. But you are already ahead of the game because you've already learned to prioritize. You've already learned that when you put things in order, that sometimes no is the best answer. Know that sometimes you'll be upset with your, you know, how you feel about it. But you won't ever be upset about what you did. You know, you did stuff for the right reasons and you're going to get some stuff wrong. But you got to do something to mess up. So at least you're trying and you're doing the best you can. And that's a lot more than a lot of children have. So, you know, I just want to say you you started off right by making that decision to be what you wanted to be. And then you've prayed about it. And then not only that, you've acted on it. So, you know. When you're there and your children are 30 and 25, you're going to be sitting on the same side saying, okay, that's what I did. I did all right. I appreciate that. And I think like my grandma tells me sometimes it's a time to talk and listen. I think this is my time to listen. Um, I don't think I need to give <laughs> any advice. Like what advice would you just give to mothers in general? Um, is there any specific <laughs> advice that you would give to black mothers specifically? Well, um advice that I could give to other mothers, um, especially younger mothers, um, I think that's kind of where my calling is, but it's really a sacrifice if if you are I've seen people say they want to have children for a reason for themselves and avoid that they're trying to feel. And I think that's the wrong approach. You have to give, I mean, it's just a giving process. It's like an investment where you are pouring into your child and the return is going to go to them. And you seeing them benefit on how you sacrifice is just, 
the best return on investment that you could get. Um, and just balance, being balanced, as we talked about earlier, and very important, being a detailed planner. If you are not a planner, like this motherhood thing will take you through the wind. You have to know how to plan from the beginning stages of I'm going to be out for five hours. I need this many bottles, this many diapers and this many wipes to how I'm going to schedule soccer practice, volleyball, dance and homework and fix your dinner and prepare for the next day. You have to plan these things out. I have not been able to be a go with the flow kind of person because things have to be in order and done in decency. And that requires actually looking forward into the future and not just looking at right now. So I know that was more than one thing, but um, I, right now I'm in a place mm -hmm. of not allowing my emotions to guide and direct all of my choices. So that's what I would share with other people is in any situation, if you mm -hmm. let feelings take the steering wheel, you'll always go down the wrong road. So you have to take your feelings into consideration. Don't discount them fully, but don't allow them to be the determining factor in whatever the situation may be. So put your feelings to the side a little bit and, you know, let them be a part of the decision, but don't let them be the full total, you know, end all be all of your choices that you make when it comes to motherhood. So that's all I got. Okay. I guess my advice would be, and it's sort of the same thing she's saying. I guess I'm saying it in a different way. Mm -hmm. My advice to any mother is to find your center and then just hold on. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, mm -hmm. what is your purpose? What is your goal? Find that center. Like when you're your kids in dance class and you're watching them, you know, what's the goal? Because you're going to get knocked from side to side, you know, you're going to feel a little off balance sometimes. You're going to feel lost, but you need to find what that center is. If you can come back to that center, then, you know, know what the purpose is, what it's about. You can make it through, you know, and you're going to have to trust that even if you can't see your children in front of you, that you've taught them to do the same thing and that they're going to be okay. It's like the parent mm -hmm. who gets mad in dance class when they put you out of the dance class. They put you out of dance class because the child will be looking at you instead of the teacher, right? So they're not focusing on what they need to be focusing on. So you mad because you can't sit there and watch them and you get mad at the teacher. Well, you can't be in that room because the teacher yell at them. You're going to have a problem with that. The teacher don't let them in the front. You're going to have a problem with that. So, you know, your child is not going to be the best dancer they can be. They may not be that good anyway, but they're not going to be the best one they can be because you're in the way of the process. So... You just have to figure out how you want things to go, what you want for your child. And remember, just hold on. It's going to be okay. They need the, they need advice from other people. You aren't the only person that can sow into their life. And that's okay. It, it hurts, but that's okay. You know, you want them to be able to grow and be better people and do more than you. So how can they do more than you if the only person they hear from is you? So, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be okay. Trust God, pray about it. And, you know, if it feels bad, it's bad. But if it's not, you know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to be all right. Well, I mean, we made it. <laughs> we here. <laughs> okay, so our last question um, just focuses on Black motherhood in general. And so 
you know, what do black mothers really represent to you? You know, strength is a word that oftentimes describes them. Um, I'll be very honest with you. It's hard to put the experience of a black mother into words. Like you just have to experience her. Um, and I've had the pleasure of not only experiencing that love with my own mom, but with my grandmother, with my aunt and with other people, maybe experience, experiencing that through a teacher or someone they met at church or someone they met in college. You can have that black mom experience through through different avenues, but it's just a a quiet confidence and a unwavering love that I feel when I'm in the presence of mm-hmm. a black woman in the presence of a black mom. Um, that's just really honestly indescribable. Um, you got to experience her because. To talk about her is one thing. To try to share her with someone is one thing. But to feel that support, Mm -hmm. to feel that love, to feel someone that unconditionally cares about you is just something that you can't really put into words. Yeah, (laughs) I would say I definitely agree, KP. Okay, so um, on the show, we like to um, do something called, you know, setting the intentions for the week for your life or like going as far as you need to set this attention intention for. Um, so I think in regards to both Sabrina and I, um, we love having you on the show because you are mothers and it's an experience in which we have not yet done. Um, so I'd love to hear like what your intentions are for showing, for continuing to show up for your own daughters or continuing to show up for the younger generation of women, of Black women just in general. Um, as Sabrina said it earlier, you know, your motherly figures aren't always your mothers. Sometimes they're your aunts or your best friend's mom. Um, so what would your intentions be going forward? Um, my intentions going forward are, my prayer is that I will always be flexible and just know that I don't know everything. Like I never want to get to a point where I feel like I figured this thing out and just know I have so many people to learn from and to grow with. Continuing to work with my support system, which is my family to help me um, train my child in the way that she should go. Because ultimately I just want to see her do well and, continue to live her life and one that she enjoys, but I'm just going to continue to lean on people that help me and just always remain a learner as a mom. I have to continue to learn more about her as she evolves and learn about myself as I evolve. So just to continue to learn and not get to a, a space where I think I have it all together because that could be out in the wind in any moment. So that's my prayer for myself. My uh, intention is to basically continue to be my true self. And the reason I say it like that is because since I am in a slightly different situation, I realize, and I know, I don't realize, I know, that I have an influence over a lot of people. And um, so not just the children I birth, but people who I see on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, or whatever. So I think for me, it's most important that I be who I am and who I think 
working on what God has me to be. And I, that means somebody who pray and ask direction. But I think when you're been cast as a role model, it's important for you not to be wishy-washy or whatever. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know, I need to own up to being wrong. If I think something is absolutely necessary, I'll put the point to why I think it's necessary. But it, I found out that's important because one, you know, you never know who's watching you. And, you know, as a parent, like, KP, you know, Lawrence watched me, you know, I knew Morgan, Melissa, Chitar, and Diddy watched me. But I found out as I went through life, uh, even before I got to, to be work with you young ladies, that people would say stuff, you know, they did something you did or, um, you know, with some of my patients, you know, I had one girl, I'll never forget that. She sent me this card and said, you basically saved my life. And I didn't know I was doing that. You know what I'm saying? But listening to her, talking to her, giving them advice and having people come to you and say, I did something because you did this. Um, that's an honor. And I want to make sure that God helps keep me humble to that fact. I try, I don't want people tell me something like that. You know, one thing it do is make a big head, but the other thing it could do is make you scared. Oh Lord, don't let me mess up because I don't want to mess up somebody else's life. But it's important that people who lead and do things that people watch you and you being you is important to people. Not you being who you think they want to see. That's not, that's not what they need. They need you to be you so they can see that this is possible. Um, and that's a great responsibility and I don't mind carrying it, but I just want to make sure that I stay humble and pray that the Lord keeps me that way so that I can continue to do that because mm -hmm. for black females in particular, you know, you know, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot because they're watching you. So what's she going to do? How's she going to act? You know? So, um, I think that's, that's my greatest intention right now to try to be my best self. So mm -hmm. I can offer whatever it is I have to offer for people so that when I sleep at night, I can sleep at night, you know? Wow. Thank y'all so, so much. Um, I really, I know Ty, I'm sure she, she has too, but I really just enjoy this conversation. You both have given us so many gems to take note of for the future, but also I think our listeners as well, just being able to see the various perspectives and experiences within motherhood. Um, and also for those that may not want to be mothers, you know, Sora Suzanne, you mentioned earlier that not everyone decides to be a mother. And I think it's important to understand that our womanhood is not dependent upon our ability to reproduce or our desire to do so. You know, at the end of the day, we're all Black women. Um, I'm not sure if you all follow Rachel Cargill on Instagram, um, but there was a recent post just asking people or asking women, um, you know, if they had decided to be child free and what that experience has been like. So I just say that just to say that, you know, as Black women, we really are <laughs> undefined um, and can choose to be whoever we want to be. We have so many options and the options are endless. So just keep that in mind if you're listening as well. Like this is a Mother's Day episode, you know, a conversation about motherhood. But, you know, you, exactly. you have the option to do whatever you want to do. So 
well, in the black community, you know, we love our aunties. So right, some right. of the best moms in the world are our aunties, either by birth, marriage, or association. Because they mm-hmm. just, they're the ones who, boy, and sometimes the auntie is better than the mama. They just go <laughs> to the auntie faster. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes mm-hmm. you can the They'll tell mom eventually, but you can run it off by them. Because I have a girlfriend who told me when her daughter was pregnant. I didn't find out till later. She said she told you first before she told me to see how you was going to react. I said, oh. (laughs) (laughs) She had to check. She had to check. But, um, you know, so that person, and and that's another thing as a parent. You want to have more than one person they can talk to. You know, although you want to be their sole confidant. That don't work. Because they don't, first of all, they don't want to disappoint you. Mm -hmm. And all Although it's harder for them to do that than they think because they're yours. Sometimes they'll tell somebody else and you want to have somebody they trust that you trust in their life. You know what I mean? So a lot of people. Right. So you need somebody they can talk to. So the auntie is a wonderful mother. That's very true. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Um, I think I said before, I've just been so overwhelmed with this conversation. Y'all have given us the best gems. Um, yeah, I'm just so pleased with how this works. <laughs> um, you know, I hope that one day when I do decide to be a mother, if I decide to be a mother, um, that I can really take some of these gems that y'all have left with us and incorporate them into um, what motherhood looks like for me. So thank y'all so much for being on this episode. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you so much. I'm I'm honored. Yes, thank you you so much for thinking of us. Like, this is a great start to Mother's Day week for me. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you to our listeners for listening as always. We really hope that you were able to get something from this and that you really enjoyed the episode. Until next time, y'all. Bye.